You've got shit. I've got shit. We've all got shit. So let's therapize that shit with your host, me, Joy Gerhard. Please note, I am not a therapist. I cannot and do not diagnose anyone or prescribe anything. This is just me, someone who struggles with mental illness, emotions, and intrusive thoughts, sharing what skills I've used and how I've used them. Also, trigger warning, in this podcast, I talk about sensitive topics including mental illness, suicidal ideation, self-harm, rape, childhood sexual assault, trauma, and more. I also swear here and there, so listener discretion is advised. Welcome, welcome. This is an interesting episode today, guys. I want to get into it, but first, just a couple housekeeping items real quick. I want to give a big shout out and another round of thanks to both of my sisters, who are right now my two Patreon subscribers, my sister Ruth and my sister Anne. Thank you both so very much for supporting this podcast. It makes a huge difference in my ability to pay for podcast hosting and a good microphone and all that fun stuff. If you are interested in supporting me on Patreon, there is a link in the description at the very, very bottom where you can find out how to do that. So let's talk about today. This is going to be an interesting episode in kind of the same vein as a couple of my other episodes, like episode four about anger, where I was so pissed off, I went for a walk and recorded myself just like processing my anger. And I would go back and forth between that recording and then commentary on that recording when I'm just like in my room talking normally, not upset. And we're going to do pretty much the same thing today because, oh, do I have a doozy of a recording. So what you're hearing right now was recorded on February 20th, 2022. And the recording you're about to hear was recorded on January 4th, 2022. So about three weeks ago. And some context I'd had to reschedule my therapy appointment from earlier in the week to this day, February 4th. I was going to end up doing my DBT skills group, and then immediately upon finishing that, go straight into therapy. And then I had a brief window of time before I was going to go visit with my aunt. And while I was in group therapy, I got a text from my former partner saying, hey, I'm moving out of state tonight, and I have some stuff that you left the apartment, can I come bring them to you? So he came over after I had spent three hours straight in therapy, and he gave me the stuff, and we talked for a little bit. Basically, the way it went down, we're standing in the driveway, and he's given me all the stuff, and then kind of is shuffling back and forth from one foot to the other, and not leaving. And he looks like he's about to cry. So I asked him, what's going on? And the floodgates opened. So we had a conversation. And after he left, I had some very strong emotions come up. And so I decided to record myself while I was driving to my aunt's house, processing those emotions. 
So that's what you're about to hear, and I'm going to jump in periodically to add my commentary here. I really did my best to adjust the, the audio so that it would be as not legible, understandable as possible. And it's rough because I was in my car and using my phone to record this. So I apologize for the audio quality. There are moments when you can't quite make out what I was saying. So I will translate that when I jump in <laughs> and provide some exposition. And yeah, this is going to be a rough one because I am in an emotional state, like a very strong emotional state. So ah, take it away, past joy. My former partner just stopped by my house to drop off the things that I left at the apartment. He's now moving out of state. So this was goodbye again. The breakup was the first goodbye, and then the I don't want to talk anymore was the second goodbye. This is the third goodbye, and I feel like shit. Sadness. I feel sad. I was looking for all the ways to change how their conversation went, to change the outcome of the breakup, and I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed because said several times how much he misses me and I feel angry when he says that. I feel angry because it doesn't make sense to me why he would break up with me and then miss me this much. I mean, I, I, I do get that. Like, I know it's possible. And I just keep having the thought, it doesn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. It's weird. It's holding a bunch of seemingly conflicting things to be true at the same time. Like, I don't want to get back together with him. I can't go back to that place of invalidation. Okie dokie. Some skills I noticed right off the bat. First off, I should have said this at the very beginning. I'm going to be quoting from the DBT manual. If you're new to the podcast, DBT is the type of therapy that I'm currently in. It stands for dialectic behavioral therapy. Dialectic means to hold two seemingly opposing thoughts to be true at the same time. And the DBT manual is linked in the description if you want to see a PDF of it. And there's also a link to where you can buy it online. But that's where I get a lot of my skills from. One of the first things I notice in this recording is that I mention that I'm feeling shitty and then almost immediately clarify that I'm feeling sad. And the reason I was able to identify that emotion is because I've been practicing. <laughs> you know what? I've been practicing identifying my emotions and describing them. And that's because that's a skill in and of itself, a skill that I did not learn growing up. And if you are interested in seeing how to describe kind of the main, I think it's 10 big emotions or families of emotions, that's on emotion regulation handout six ways to describe emotions. So I acknowledge that I'm feeling sad. And the reason it's important to identify the emotion that I'm feeling is because that's the starting point for a lot of things. That's the starting point for acceptance, identifying where I'm currently at. It's the starting point for regulating my emotions, 
Like it's hard to regulate an emotion if I don't know what emotion it is. And it's the starting point for problem solving and doing opposite action and doing a lot of these skills that address the emotion. Step one, know what emotion it is. So I identify sadness. And then I also identify anger. Like I mentioned being angry at my former partner because he was feeling sad. Because not only was he feeling it, he also told me that he was feeling it. And we're going to get into that a lot more right here. And what's funny is there's no transition from the last clip you heard to this clip. The last clip, I'm super calm and just kind of stoic. This clip, oh, we're going from zero to 60 almost immediately. I noticed myself trying to, I don't know, put on a veneer or something, knowing that I was recording this for an episode and it wasn't getting me anywhere. So I was just like, screw it. Let's just pretend this isn't for the podcast and say how I'm actually feeling. So here we go. We're just going to talk for a minute, not on a podcast. I'm just going to say what's fucking so, okay? So this whole thing, this whole thing is bullshit. Like I'm angry with him. I'm angry that now he gets to fall apart. I was not allowed to do that. But he gets to spend the last week and a half being in a shitty place. He gets to have whatever emotions he wants to have. And I had to stay positive. Like, I don't want to sit with his emotions. I don't want to sit with how sad he is. He started crying while he was talking to me before I even started crying. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. You get to have whatever emotions you want to have. And you didn't let me. And I get it. I get it. Because, like, it's a a different mismatch in skills. He couldn't be with my emotions. He didn't know how. He didn't know how to sit with it and not judge it. He didn't know how to validate all of this stuff. I get it. And at the same time, like, I'm just now unpacking all of the impact of two years of his invalidation. I lost so much of my skill. And I'm having to learn it all over again. I lost knowing how I was feeling like all my emotions went deep 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 underground and I was dissociated and things would come out sideways and I didn't have a way of saying things to him I didn't have a way of like communicating in a way that he would just understand and accept and I get it like I get it and and it fucking sucked so there's a lot going on here I start off with a list of things that I'm angry at him for, my former partner. I say I'm angry that now he gets to fall apart, that I was not allowed to do that. I'm angry that he gets to have whatever emotions he wants to have, but I had to stay positive. I say, as though I'm speaking to him, you get to have whatever emotions you want to have and you don't let me. So those are thoughts I'm having. When I treat them as gospel truth, like when I treat them as absolute truth, I see how angry I get. I mean, I can hear how angry I got. Just to add a little tiny bit of wiggle room to get a crowbar in there and to create some room between what actually happened and my interpretations, I'm going to use a a nifty little phrase. I'm having the thought that. So... I'm having the thought that he gets to fall apart and I was not allowed to do that. I'm having the thought that he gets to have whatever emotions he wants to have, but I had to stay positive. 
I'm having the thought that talking to him now, you get to have whatever emotions you want to have and you didn't let me. Because it's not as though he he slapped a an emotional equivalent of a chastity belt on me. You know, he wasn't preventing me from feeling. There were things he said, sure, and a lack of skill around his ability to validate that had me feel like he was not a safe space for me to have emotions around. And there's just a tiny bit of wiggle room. And I don't want to invalidate myself here because there's a reason that I had all of those thoughts. And the way I'm saying it makes it sound like he was dictating this from up on high, you know? Some of it fits the facts and some of it doesn't, I guess is my point here. I do validate. That's a useful skill here. I acknowledge that it was a mismatch in skill. And being able to identify that is actually quite skillful. So go me. Because looking at the like the mechanism by which I felt like I wasn't able to have my emotions, it came down to like, he wasn't able to sit with my emotions. He didn't know how to sit with them and not judge them and not want them to be different. He didn't know how to validate either. And I keep using the phrase and instead of but. That's also very skillful. It's both and. So he didn't have that skill and it had an impact. Because I'm still unpacking the impact of two years of our relationship that was wonderful in a lot of ways and had an impact around my emotional health. I say that I lost so much of my skill and I'm having to learn it all over again. I lost the skill of knowing how I was feeling because my emotions went underground and I was dissociated and things would come out sideways and I didn't have a way of saying things to him, of communicating in a way that he would understand and accept. And I finish up with, I get it, and it fucking sucked. So here's what I notice now, listening back to this here, sitting in my room six months after the breakup. I never accepted what his skill level was around validation and sitting with emotions, both his and mine. And I find myself asking the question, what would I have done if I did accept that? And I'm 99% sure we would not have stayed dating for two years. And here's why. This is weird. I'm processing this right in this second. I think I was judging myself for needing validation to begin with. Like needing validation doesn't feel like, huh, it doesn't feel like a basic human need, like air or food or water. I think I judge it as a luxury, maybe. I guess I'm also judging it as something I need because I can't do it for myself. And I've had it that if I need validation from other people, that there's something internally that I haven't worked on with myself. Yeah, that it's a weakness of mine that I need validation from other people. And so I was not accepting that that was something that I needed in a relationship, at least. And I also didn't accept that he was where he was at in terms of his skill level. So in order to stay in the relationship and enjoy it, I think I denied the impact that that was having on me. It wasn't apparent until I, I got out of the relationship and was like, oh, dear, 
I really had lost a lot of my awareness of my emotions. Like it's been a slog actually um, to regain it. That's part of why I do this podcast actually is to have some accountability for myself around practicing, identifying my emotions, describing them, putting words to it, um, looking at whether they are in keeping with the, the facts or whether they're interpretations, observing my emotions, describing them, trying to figure out the prompting event for the emotion or if there was a prompting interpretation for it. I lost the ability to do that while I was with my former partner. And sitting here right now, I don't really want to say that it's his fault. I mean, if it's a mismatch of skill, then it's kind of like I have size nine feet and he is a shoe that is a size six. And there's nothing wrong with him, that shoe, and there's nothing wrong with me, my foot. They just don't fit. And if I smush my foot into that shoe and then develop a bunch of blisters and a limp and some sort of foot deformity as a result, it's not the shoe's fault. I don't know that blame is useful here. What I'm seeing, though, is that there is something I could have done, something I could have changed. Like, I can choose not to continue wearing that shoe. And there's a reason I didn't end things. There's a lot of reasons. So it makes sense that it took as long as it did, and it actually took him ending things, because I don't know how long it would have taken me to end things. I'm just very aware of all of the things I wasn't aware of as they were happening. Like my emotions were going underground and I was not aware of that happening. Like just my awareness of myself was going underground. And of course, I could not possibly be aware of that happening. But yeah, I had all this anger at him for like making me. And he would say things like, you know, be positive, try to stay upbeat, like keep your chin up. All things rooted in his desire for me to be okay, and they weren't effective. Like, they didn't have the desired outcome he wanted or I wanted, and he didn't have the skill of doing it a different way. So there wasn't, there couldn't possibly have been another outcome. Like that, my foot was not going to fit in that shoe. Now, that's not to say that things couldn't change in the future, Like, I don't want to be defeatist in so much as like, it was never going to work. I think there are things that both of us could put in place now and work both of us could do now that might address those things. I'm certainly not working towards an end goal of getting back together. Like, I'm not interested in getting back together. And I see that there are things that both of us could do that would address the the misfit, if you will. And there's a reason that I stayed. Like, he was the first non-abusive partner that I've had. So there were a lot of things that were just fantastic and delightful and amazing. And I was not aware at the time that this was, (laughs) this was such a big deal to me, validation. And I guess sitting where I am right this second which, granted, is a different place than I was sitting when we first started dating two and a half years ago. But sitting where I am right this second, I would say that it is not like a core need 
to be validated by others. It's more a core need to not be invalidated. Like I'm doing a better job of validating myself. I still don't have the skills for how to address invalidation, which is actually what I'm about to start in exposure therapy, but that's going to be many episodes for another time. But yeah, like right now, I think I can do a pretty bang up job of validating myself. I don't need validation to come from an an external source. It's lovely when it does. It's lovely. And like, I'm not starving to death. It's just, I struggle being around invalidation. And that would still be a problem with my former partner because he was frequently invalidating. Okay, getting back to things. And it fucking sucked. And he was standing in the driveway crying about how shitty the last few weeks or months have been, how he quit his job and he doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't know all of these uncertainties and all of these questions. And I kept having the thought, I wanted to be doing this together. I wanted to like be in the shit with you. I wanted to be like figuring stuff out together and figuring out how our lives together. He keeps saying we wanted different things, and I still don't believe that that's true. I mean, like, I believe that he thinks that's his experience. I'm not saying he's lying. I'm saying, like, I don't actually think what we wanted was different. And if it was different, it wasn't incompatibly different. I'm just like, like, come on, man. And I told him, like, I told him that the reason I couldn't keep me in communication with him was because, like, I didn't want to hear about the life that he was leading because it was the life that I wanted to have with him. I didn't want to hear about him because I thought that when he moved, I'd be going with him. Like, all of this shit. So I'm, I'm, I'm mad at him. I'm mad at him for missing me. I'm mad at him for, like, all of the things he judged me for around, like, my emotional state and whatever. We broke up and he went and lived in that place. He's still in that place. It's been almost six months. And every time we've talked, we haven't talked in the last like two months, but in the times previous to that, he would talk about how miserable he was. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Like, it doesn't, none of it makes sense to me. None of it makes any sense at all. Like, he would be so miserable. And like, did the breakup solve anything for you? Is your life better now? He talked about how like he was just sad packing stuff up because he kept thinking about me, and I'm like, I know. I think about him all the fucking time, and I'm mad at him for choosing this. I'm mad at him for like, I'm mad at him for being sad for something he chose, and I'm not wanting to or not able to like hold the dialectic that both can be true at the same time, that he can have made the choice, it can still be the right choice, and he can feel sad about it, because I'm judging him for it, I'm judging him for feeling sad, I'm judging him for telling me that he's feeling sad, I'm like, god damn it. This continues to be just so much. There's a lot of emotions going on here. So I start off saying how I really don't want to hear how he's doing. Anytime he's telling me about how his life is going, I get angry. And then I was having the thought, I wanted to be doing this together. I wanted to be in the shit with him and figuring out our lives together. 
some validation for myself here. Of course, I would be feeling sad and grief. Watching him process something on his own that I thought we would be processing together reminds me of what I've lost. And of course, that would have me feel sad. And as it turns out, physical or emotional pain is a prompting event for anger. (laughs) Which is why I get angry at him. So emotion regulation handout six in the DBT manual is ways to describe emotions. And the very first emotion is anger. Prompting events for anger include having an important goal blocked, you or someone you care about being attacked or threatened by others, losing power, status, or respect, not having things turn out as expected, oh dear, physical or emotional pain. So those are prompting events. Without any thought, without any interpretation, those things, when they happen, can trigger anger. And then some interpretations of events that will prompt feelings of anger. So the thoughts that I have about something that can result in me feeling angry include believing that you have been treated unfairly, blaming, believing that important goals are being blocked or stopped, believing that things should be different than they are. That's what judging is. Rigidly thinking I'm right, judging that the situation is illegitimate or wrong, ruminating about the event that set off the anger in the first place. So there's both prompting events going on and prompting interpretations for anger that I'm noticing. Like I'm in emotional pain to begin with. Seeing him is painful. Being reminded of our breakup is painful. Being reminded of what I've lost was painful. Ergo, anger. But also like I'm angry at him for expressing emotions that I didn't feel the freedom to express when I was with him. And that's unfair. Like I'm having the thought that that is unfair. So this anger I keep hearing myself articulate is around believing that I have been treated unfairly. And that's one of the interpretations of events that prompts anger, believing that you have been treated unfairly. Blaming is another interpretation of an event that prompts feelings of anger. And you heard me blame him. Like, he chose this. How can he feel sad? He chose this. He's the one who broke up with me. And I tried to be skillful in the moment. You heard me mention that I was struggling to hold the dialectic that him choosing to break up with me was the right choice, and he can also feel sad about it. I still really struggle with that thought. I keep having the thought, he's not allowed to be sad. He chose this. And I really do struggle that both of those things can be true at the same time. He can have made this choice, yes, and also feel sad. And I think really what the bigger issue is, if I accept that he feels sad, what would I do? I wouldn't want to hear him talk about it. I think that's the problem. I've wanted historically to be in communication with him and him talking about his sadness triggered all sorts of feelings for me that I didn't want to sit with. And so what I ended up doing, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, is actually saying, I can't talk to you anymore. Because clearly that's a boundary for me. Like, I actually don't want to hear how he's doing. He's allowed to feel sad. And in order to allow him to feel sad, like he's allowed to feel his emotions, what do I need to do so that I don't hear about it? (laughs) And that's where the, the boundary came up. 
And him coming by the house was a unique situation that needed to happen and crossed a boundary of mine. And I, ch- I chose it. I told him he, he could come by. I told him that I had like 20 minutes to talk. And I don't know that I would make a different decision. I think I valued saying goodbye more than feeling comfortable. <laughs> and yeah, it definitely had an impact. But clearly, I am not okay hearing about how he's doing, which is why that's a necessary boundary for me, not talking to him. Okay, back into it. I'm mad at him for a lot of different reasons. And talking to my therapist, they were like, hey, there's a reason we're doing gentle avoidance because being in communication with your former partner is creating suffering. And they're absolutely right. My therapist is absolutely right because it's not just pain. It's pain with lack of acceptance because I'm judging him for it and I'm judging me for it. This should have been a different way and of course should have some judgment. And it's trying to protect me from, from hurting. Super quick translation here. I'm starting to cry hard enough that it's affecting my speech. So what I just said was, it's not just pain, it's pain with a lack of acceptance because I'm judging him for it and I'm judging me for it. It should have been a different way. And of course, should is a judgment and it's trying to protect me from hurting. Anyway, back to the recording. Like, I don't know if I'm just avoiding the pain if if I'm avoiding the pain of the breakup, just period, if I'm avoiding pain with that's unnecessary, like, I don't need to be seeing his social media posts and stuff. Like, that's unnecessary. That's, like, kicking me when I'm down type of pain. And I, I you know, keep having these thoughts of, like, I'm getting better and I'm not hurting as much and everything else. And then I see him today and it all keeps flooding back. And I keep having the thought that I wouldn't want to get back together with him because it didn't work because he didn't have the skills of validation and non judgment and stuff. And then he shows up today and all I'm thinking is, like, please, can we undo this? Can we go back to the way it was? Like, I want a future life. I want this life that we had together to come back. Another quick interjection. This is painful to listen to. It's painful for me to listen to. But yes, some translation of what you just heard. I keep having these thoughts that I'm getting better and I'm not hurting as much and everything else. And then I see him today and it all came flooding back. And I keep having the thought that I wouldn't want to get back together with him because it didn't work, because he didn't have the skills of validation and non-judgment and stuff. And then he shows up today and all I'm thinking is, please, can we undo this? Can we go back to the way it was? Like, I want to be in your life. I want the life we had together to come back. Back to the recording. I want to, like, relate to the reality of the situation. I don't want to relate to an idealized version of him. That emotionally, it was very one-sided in terms of, like, me doing a lot of emotional labor on his behalf and not the other way around. You know, I could be totally wrong about that. He could have been working really, really, really hard. It just wasn't effective. And it wasn't to the degree that I needed it. In the same way that, like, a 
a kid playing t-ball can be trying really, really, really hard and giving it everything they've got, and they're not going to be skilled enough to, you know, be in the World Series. Okay, I'm sitting here, just kind of sitting, listening to me from three weeks ago be in a tremendous amount of pain, and it's hard to listen to, because it's me. (laughs) It's weird. It's not bringing up the same emotions now. I'm not crying now. I'm not feeling overwhelming sadness right now. I think what I'm feeling is compassion, I guess, for past me, me from three weeks ago. Like all of those thoughts and all of those emotions, they all make sense and come from somewhere. And of course, those thoughts would trigger emotions that are that strong. Some quick skills acknowledgement. I mentioned that my therapist reminded me this is why we're doing gentle avoidance of my former partner. Avoidance is a reference to an opposite action for love. Let's talk very briefly about what opposite action is. So opposite action is an emotion regulation skill. It's one of the skills that we use to change our emotional responses. And on emotion regulation handout seven, it says that when your emotions do not fit the facts or when acting on your emotions is not effective, acting opposite all the way will change your emotional reactions. So that's emotion regulation handout seven. I don't have a lot of experience doing opposite action to love because typically me loving somebody is not a problem. (laughs) Like acting on my love for someone is usually effective. In this case, demonstrating love for my former partner is not effective because that's not helping me heal. It's not helping me move. I don't like the phrase move on or get over. It's not helping me adjust to this new reality wherein we are not dating. So opposite actions for love are listed on emotion regulation handout 11, and they include avoid the person, animal, or object you love, distract yourself from thoughts of the person, animal, or object, remind yourself why love is not justified, rehearse the cons of loving when loving thoughts do arise. So I've actually been doing that kind of in my head, like looking at the the cons. That's a reference to the pros and cons skill, which I've mentioned a couple episodes ago. Some of the cons of like demonstrating love for my former partner are things like, I feel sad. Like just being in communication with him has me feel sad. So that's a con. And it also, I think, sends mixed messages to him and mixed messages to me. It blurs boundaries. It's confusing for me, like emotionally. I don't know what's okay, what behavior is okay, and what behavior is not okay. Yeah, it just, it feels very confusing. So some examples of all the way opposite action, like cranked up to 11, include avoid contact with everything that reminds you of a person you love. Pictures, letters, messages, emails, belongings, mementos, places you were together, places you planned to or wanted to go together, places where you knew the person has been or will be. No following, waiting for, or looking for the person. Stop expressing love for the person even to friends. Be unfriendly toward the person, unfriend the person on Facebook, Twitter, etc. 
Adjust your posture and expressions if you are around the person you love. No leaning toward him or her, no getting close enough to touch, no sighing or gazing at the person. Not every item here feels applicable, and a lot of it's good stuff. These are things that I would do to change the way I feel about that person, like especially like leaning toward them or getting close enough to touch. These feel very much like the nascent stages of a crush and feel less applicable to how things are after a breakup. But certainly avoiding contact and stopping expressing love for the person is actually really useful. I notice myself resisting it because it feels unloving. It feels mean. I'm having the thought that it's mean. I'm having the thought that as an adult person, I should be able to, that's a judgment, I should be able to be okay being around my former partner. We should be able to be friends. And this is a dialectic, both. And I actually think I do want to be friends with him. And I don't have the skill to do that right now. Like I have such strong feelings of sadness that I am not able to really be his friend. Doesn't rule out it happening in the future. Could totally happen in the future. And it's not where I'm at right now. And that is very uncomfortable for my brain to accept. My brain really likes absolutes. Really likes saying, well, this is over for forever. We will never be able to talk again. And so it's uncomfortable. I also mentioned in the part that I just played back that I'm not just feeling pain, or at least past joy from three weeks ago is not just feeling pain. I was feeling pain with a lack of acceptance because I was judging my former partner for his experience and I was judging myself for my experience. And judgment and acceptance are mutually exclusive, as it turns out. As long as I am judging, I am not accepting. Because a judgment is, it should be a different way. And acceptance says, this is the only possible way it could have gone, given everything that came before it. So not accepting is what turns pain into, you guessed it, suffering. On Distress Tolerance Handout 11, Why Accept Reality? Item number four says, Rejecting Reality Turns Pain into Suffering. So my lack of acceptance around what is so, like the facts of the situation, is what has me suffer. And the facts of the situation are, my partner broke up with me, and he feels sad, and I feel sad. It's hard to hold that He's the one who broke up with me, and he can also feel sad about that. He is allowed to feel sad. In fact, he does feel sad. (laughs) Like, that's an accurate statement. That's the fact of the situation. And then you heard me say a lot of things that are judgments, like a lack of acceptance. Please, can we go back to the way it was? Can we undo this? And that's painful to listen to because I'm listening to myself reject reality and want to basically wind back the clock. And I did something skillful. I mean, it was the beginning of using the skill. I say that it's pain with lack of acceptance because I'm judging him for his emotional experience. I'm judging me for mine. And then I said, it should be a different way. And of course, should is a judgment that's trying to protect me from hurting. 
I've talked about before how a lot of times my judgments are trying to do a thing for me. And I'm like, great. Now that I know what you're trying to do for me, I can achieve that in a different way. I think in this case, my judgment is trying to protect me from hurting. Are there other ways that I can accomplish that? Like if being around my former partner's emotions is painful, I could actually just choose not to be around him. I don't like the word just there. It makes it sound easy. It's not easy. It may be simple, but it's not easy. That's where the boundary comes in. That's why that boundary is important of not talking with him. Because when I'm around him, I am judging his emotions. And then finally, the last thing I mentioned in the recording you just heard was how I I want to be relating to the reality of the situation. I don't want to relate to an idealized version of my former partner. Because if I look at the, the truth, like the facts, there was that mismatch where I felt like I was putting in a lot more emotional effort than he was. And that's a thought. There's no real way to measure the amount each of us was putting in. And I actually acknowledge that in the recording. I said I could be totally wrong about how hard he was working. Really, the thing that mattered was that whatever he was doing was not effective for me. It wasn't what I needed and the degree to which I needed it. So rather than judge what I assume to be the amount of effort he was putting in, the way to be non-judgmental around that is to say, whatever he's doing and now however hard he was working was not effective for me. And that's sad, guys. Like, I feel sad about that. It's a fucking bummer. And saying it that way sucks all the anger out of it. Saying it like, he wasn't working as hard. I was putting in all this time and energy and he wasn't carrying his weight and he left me high and dry. Like, all of that is where my anger gets riled up. Saying whatever he was doing was not effective for me. (laughs) What I'm left with is, that's just a fucking bummer. Like, I'm bummed. I'm bummed and not angry when I say it that way. Okay, back to the recording. There's all these things I don't get. I don't understand. And I'm, I don't know, I'm angry. I'm angry at him. He said it was too hard. He said it was too much work. And I have to, it takes a lot of, a lot of effort to hold, to hear that and not be like, invalidating of myself. To not be like, I, I'm unworthy of love. You know, like, being mentally ill precludes me from ever being in a happy relationship or in a relationship that works. Quick translation there. He said it was too hard and too much work. It takes a lot of effort to hear that and not be invalidating of myself. To not be like, I'm unworthy of love. You know, like, being mentally ill precludes me of ever being in a happy relationship or a relationship that works. Back to the recording. They say in DBT there was a poorness of fit. A mismatch between what my needs were and what he could provide, what his needs were and what I could provide. 
Another quick translation here. They say in DBT the phrase, there's a poorness of fit, a mismatch between what my needs were and what he could provide, and what his needs were and what I could provide. And I still just have the thought that I wasn't enough, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm broken. Back to the recording. It fucking sucks. He was saying that most of the time he can accept and understand why I said what I said. I, like, I don't want to talk to him anymore. And then there are times when he's angry at me. And he's so bad. And I will let him be like, that's fair and that's understandable and stuff. And I'm still like, fuck you, dude. You broke my heart. You're the one who broke up with me right after I got out of a mental hospital, man. Like, I lost my home and my job. And my partner. And the life I thought I was going to have. And you're mad at me for not being able to be like, hey, let's talk about the next season of Ozark and whatever. Like, I really, I can't watch him live his life because it's the life I wanted to have. It's the life I thought I was going to have. He said it was too hard. And it's fucking heartbreaking. It was too hard. And it fucking breaks my heart. Oh my. So I did something skillful here. I said, I'm still just having the thought that I wasn't enough, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm broken. And that's hugely different from saying, I'm not enough, there's something wrong with me, I'm broken. Saying it that way treats it as fact, whereas saying I'm having those thoughts, acknowledging them as thoughts creates a little wiggle room between what happened, like the actual events, and my interpretations or thoughts about the events. Because that's different. Like there is what happened. He broke up with me. That is what happened. And then I have the thoughts. I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Typically what happens for me at least is the event, the breakup in this case, gets super glued to my interpretations. And that's where a lot of suffering for me lives because then I'm unable to think about the event, the breakup in this case, without also having the thoughts that I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken because again, they're super glued together. If I can acknowledge those thoughts as thoughts and distinct from the actual event, I can create a tiny bit of space and then I can get a crowbar in there and wedge the event apart from my interpretations or my thoughts about it. What that allows me to do is remember the event, like, yes, the breakup is what happened and that's it. Like I can remember that the breakup happened and I don't end up being overwhelmed by that shame of not being enough, that I'm broken, etc. He broke up with me. And when I'm super, super grounded, <laughs> I can acknowledge that the breakup actually had nothing to do with me. Like nothing to do with something being wrong with me. It had everything to do with, as I said, a poorness of fit. Like the fit was poor. It wasn't great. It wasn't a good fit. 
It wasn't an effective fit. Like there was a mismatch between my needs and what he could provide and his needs and what I could provide. And it really doesn't mean there's anything wrong with either one of us. And again, my access to that is identifying those thoughts as thoughts, not as fact. Him breaking up with me didn't mean that I'm not enough and that there's something wrong with me. I have those thoughts. Those are thoughts I have, and they're well trod. <laughs> like, there's some pretty deep wheel ruts there. So it makes a lot of sense that that's where my brain would go. And it, there were some things he said and did that made it easier for me to slide into those ruts. Like, saying being in a relationship with me was too hard. Ah. <sighs> now, it's important to note he didn't say, You're broken. You're not enough. There's something wrong with you. That's not what he said to me. He said being in a relationship was too hard. And there's a distinction there. It's hard to hold on to, I will admit. It's very easy to hear that and immediately go into my ruts, like my patterned ways of thinking about myself. So it takes a bit of effort. It takes a lot of effort, actually, which is what I said, you know, at the beginning of the clip you just heard, that it takes a lot of effort to hear that it's too much work and it's too hard and to not be invalidating of myself. It takes a lot of work. And there are days when I have a lot of vulnerability factors running and I'm not effective at doing that work. And clearly that day, the recording you just heard, like I had just come out of three hours of therapy. <laughs> oh, and it was also one of my anniversaries. Was it really? Oh, this was recorded on February 3rd, which was the last of my trauma anniversaries. So I had three hours of therapy, and then my former partner came over for the last time to give me the rest of my stuff on the last of my four trauma anniversaries. If you haven't listened to those episodes, take a gander. They are episodes 14, 15, and 16. Trauma Anniversaries Volumes 1 through 3. But I have four trauma anniversaries in a two-week span of time, and he came over on the last one. So clearly, there are some vulnerability factors running. There is a reason I wasn't resourced up and able to actually effectively distinguish between the event, the breakup, and my thoughts about it. And I still managed to, shockingly, be quite skillful. Like in the clip you just heard, I acknowledged those thoughts as thoughts. I was having the thought that I wasn't enough, that there's something wrong with me and that I'm broken. Oh, that's a lot of practice right there. Doing a ton of practice when I'm doing okay, when I'm fine, practicing saying I'm having the thought that so that it becomes accessible when I am really, 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 really struggling. Like in the clip you just heard. That was not easy. That was quite literally six years of practice so that I could say, I'm having the thought that. <laughs> and it did. It created a tiny little bit of space between him saying it's too hard and my interpretations about that. <sighs> okay, back to the recording. I don't know. Like, clearly there was a poorness of fit, but the thing that, that, unnerving to me about it and the thing that like makes it hurt a how much I wanted it to fit b how hard I was working at it 
like I still like none of the things that he says are the reasons I none of those occurred to me as deal breakers I was like okay great so there's things we need to work on clearly these are all things we can work on I don't want to be in a relationship where there's a contingency on either side like I'll only be with you if you fix this part of you and I gotta figure that in any relationship there are gonna be sources of friction there's gonna be miscommunication there's gonna be things that need to be addressed so to say no I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with you with anybody because there are things that aren't working right now and I don't actually want those to be not working for forever I don't know it feels tricky and there's clearly some new ones there I'm not not picking up but anyhow I have now arrived at my aunt's house, so I'm going to go hang out with her and my grandmother and eat soup and hopefully stop crying at some point. All right. In the clip you just heard, I was very much struggling to accept that I really wanted it to work and it didn't. And I was struggling to accept that I was working really hard at our relationship, working really hard on myself and on being a better partner. And it didn't work. The relationship didn't last. And clearly some part of me has the belief that if I want it bad enough and if I work hard enough, it should work. Whatever the it is. In this case, it is the relationship. And should is a judgment. So how would I say that without judgment? How can I say If I want it bad enough, and if I work hard enough, it should work without judgment. Let's try this. When I want something really badly and also put a lot of work in on it, it hurts when it doesn't work out, and I have judgments about it not working out, and I struggle accepting that it didn't work out, And I have emotions come up like anger and sadness over it not working out. So transferring that to my relationship ending, instead of saying, since I wanted the relationship badly enough and I worked really hard at it, it should have worked. I can say that without judgment in the following way. I wanted the relationship to work really badly and put a lot of work in on it, and it hurts that it didn't work out, and I have judgments about it not working out, and I struggle with accepting that it didn't work out, and I have a lot of emotions come up, like anger and sadness, because it didn't work out. And what's trippy is that I can acknowledge that I have judgments and that I struggle with accepting. I can acknowledge both of those things and not be judgmental because non-judgment is really acknowledging what is so and what is so is I'm having judgments and I can choose not to judge my judgments because judging them doesn't make them go away as it turns out. And that's weird. And I don't get that. Also, in the clip you just heard, you heard me struggle to accept that 
the things my former partner thinks are deal breakers are actually deal breakers. Like you heard me say, I don't, I didn't think any of those things were deal breakers. I thought they were all things that we could work on. So really what I'm struggling to accept is that he has different deal breakers than I do. And that what he considers deal breakers are different than what I consider to be deal breakers. Things that he thought were too hard are things that I thought we could tackle. And he's allowed to have his experience. It may very well have been too hard for him. And I can't really judge him for knowing his own limitations. I'm bummed. I'm fucking bummed about it. And yeah, that was a limit for him. And he said so. And when I'm super fucking grounded, I'm actually quite grateful. Like, I'm grateful that he acknowledged that he couldn't do what I needed and or wanted him to. That he didn't want to put in the amount of work that it would take. Or that he didn't have the skills to do the amount of work that it would take. Better to know that two years in than 20 years in, I guess. So I think that's something to practice accepting that his limitations are different than mine. His deal breakers are different than mine. The sort of work that he is willing to do in a relationship is different than the sort of or the amount of work that he is willing to do in a relationship is different from the sort of or the amount of work that I am willing to do in a relationship. <sighs> Fuck, I'm annoyed because when I say it like that, I, I actually am not angry at him. Like saying it like that doesn't elicit any anger. It doesn't have anger come up in me. Fucking hell, I hate it when skills work. Like, it really bothers me. <laughs> and some episode, I will actually dig into what it is about skills working that bothers me. But not today. Today, I'm tired. So, I'm going to end the recording here. Thank you so much for listening. I was checking my analytics for the podcast the other day and found that there are people listening in Australia and the United Kingdom, and the Philippines. That's pretty fucking awesome. And also the United States. But that's less impressive to me, given that I live here. But that's awesome, guys. Like, I am delighted. Like, seriously over the moon. I actually don't have words for how exciting that is. I, I haven't wanted to talk about it, because it feels like looking a gift horse in the mouth, or like tempting fate or something, um, to acknowledge how exciting that is. Putting this podcast together is a labor of love. <laughs> More often, it's a labor of necessity. Like, it's really important for my well-being that I do this work. Like, I, I use the skills. And it's, it's lovely that I get to share them with you guys. For a while there, I was feeling pretty low. After the breakup, I was having the thought that I did all this work for nothing. And sometimes I still have that thought. And this podcast has been kind of a way to shift that for me. Like if I'm going to do all this work, it would be lovely if it benefited more than just me. And I know DBT is super expensive doing skills group, depending on where you live. The first one I did was $4,500 <laughs> for a year. It's a lot of money on top of like actual individual therapy. 
And I know it's not accessible to everybody. And right now it's not accessible to me either. The only reason I can do skills group right now is because it's covered by my insurance because I am on Medicaid. Yeah, I'm delighted to be able to bring these skills to you. And I very much hope they're helpful. I would love, love to hear if you've used any of the skills, what that experience is like for you. Please reach out on, you can send me an email, therapize at joygerhard.com. You can reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Let's Therapize. I really would love to hear what your experience has been of using a skill and how it's impacted your life. That would be amazing. So please share. And on that delightful note, I'm going to do what I always do and just end this super abrupt. This has been Let's Therapize That Shit with your host, me, Joy Gerhard. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about it. I'll see you next time. Intro and outro music is Swan Lake Opus 20 by Tchaikovsky, performed by the London Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Anatoly Fistulari, and released on LP by Richmond High Fidelity London Records in 1952.